The bottom line is, Byron, um, we're looking and spotting talent. We're encouraging it. We're encouraging our kids to go for it. Go for it in life. Don't hold back. Follow your dreams and stay excited the rest of your life. And, and, and youngsters have a tendency, Byron, to be cool, super cool. I try and tell them, uh, let your passion flow. Light your hair on fire. <laughs> and, and light everybody else's hair on fire. Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint coming to you from the 2017 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Orlando, Florida. I'm Byron Tyler and we're meeting some wonderful people here as broadcasters, not just radio, but television and social media broadcasters, writers get together, brainstorm and challenge each other to do better as they seek to proclaim the greatest message ever. That's the message of Jesus Christ the greatest message ever told, his love for the world. So that's why folks are gathering here for this convention, our privilege with Bot Radio to come and meet old friends and meet new friends. And right now we're going to introduce our family in Memphis to Pat Williams. Pat has a long career in the sports world, currently is the senior vice president of the NBA's Orlando Magic. Pat, glad to have you. You've got this wonderful Hawaiian shirt on. And I'm a little jealous. I've got a coat and a tie on, and it looks like you're having more fun than I am. <laughs> well, you, I, I would say this to you, Byron. Have you ever seen anybody in an Hawaiian shirt uh, having a bad day? Oh, no, uh, the uh, the answer is no. <laughs> but we'll get you loosened up a little bit, get that tie off, and uh, get you adjusted here to our 87-degree day in Orlando today. You know, I had lunch out by the pool, by the palm trees, and right now on the 1st of March in some places of the country, they're experiencing you know a lot of snowfall and cold temperatures. I'll tell you, I'll take this weather anytime. Of course, this is home for you, has been for a number of years since the Orlando Magic franchise found a wonderful home here in this great state of Florida. You've been part of this team, and really you've watched it grow, Pat, from infancy. We moved here 31 years ago from Philadelphia. Byron. I'd been with the 76ers for 12 years and then moved here in June of 86 to try and get this town uh, excited about the potential of an expansion franchise here. And then above all, selling the NBA owners and the commissioner that Orlando would be a good spot to put a new team. And they came to that conclusion and in April of 87 that Orlando Magic was born. We had a team. Played our first game in the fall of 89. Uh, we're coming to the conclusion of our 28th season now as an active franchise. So it's quite a story. I've been here, uh, you know, before the beginning. And I think as the years go on, it becomes even more meaningful to me. We have a connection with Memphis and Orlando and a very famous basketball player that we still love so dearly. Anthony Penny Hardaway played for the Magic with Shaquille O'Neal. The fans down here and the folks in Orlando area really became accustomed to enjoy Penny Hardaway on the court. Well, we did. We've recently enshrined him in the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. Penny has, has a strong following here. Uh, he was a great player. People tend to forget how great he was. Uh, because he uh, injured both of his knees, you know, in his mid-20s, and it's a shame. He never really got to have a full career because of those injuries, but he was a great talent, good guy, still very popular here, and, and we're very pleased that he's doing well in Memphis in his coaching career, and he's 
He's a good guy, good basketball guy. Hey, he's taking inner-city kids to state championships, and we're proud of our homeboy, Penny Hardaway, and just the contribution and the love he has back for our city and really to help mentor these young men because we're in a day where homes are without fathers and good leadership examples. And in the world that you come from, Pat, there's so many young boys that look at NBA players or famous baseball players, football players, and they say, I want to be like them one day. And they come from very humble means. So there's really an awesome responsibility these players have. And many, I think, realize that responsibility is they become an example for these kids. Well, most athletes do. Uh, There are a few, Byron, who uh, would be in the opposite direction. But by and large, uh, these athletes are good people. Obviously, they're skilled. And they're very much aware of the impact they're having. The words that they say, the actions they take, they know uh, that they're being watched and scrutinized very carefully. And they do reach out, and uh, in most of these communities where teams are, uh, they do a terrific job. We're very proud, for example, of the athletes on our team and the work they do in the community. Um, And I think that's true of of almost every franchise in this league, in all the sports as well. So that's, that's, uh, that's, that's one of the real positives of sports in our country. Pat, we want to spend some of our time together talking about a book you've written called The Success Intersection, What Happens When Your Talent Meets Your Passion. Could you give us some backstory on Pat Williams, where you grew up, something about your mom and dad? Well, I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. My dad was a high school history teacher. He was a high school baseball coach. He took me to my first major league ball game when I was seven years old in Philadelphia. I saw that Sunday doubleheader, the Cleveland Indians and the Philadelphia A's. That's how long ago it was. And I woke up the next morning absolutely captured and riveted by the sights and the sound and the smell and the color of baseball. And I knew as a seven-year-old exactly what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to be a ball player. And uh, through high school and then through college at Wake Forest, I got to play ball. I was a catcher. Spent two years as a minor league catcher in the Phillies farm system. That was the end as a player. The Phillies had seen enough, but they also saw some potential in the front office for me. And they allowed me to get into the front office end of the game. And I spent five years operating minor league ball clubs for the Phillies. And in the middle of that, at the end of those five years, the whole thing completely flipped. And I ended up getting hired by the Philadelphia 76ers, left baseball, and went into the pro basketball world. And that's where I've been now for 48 years. So I'm, I've been in sports my whole life. I think all of that has led the groundwork to this book. Of what I've seen over the years, to have a successful life, you've got to have talent, and you've also got to have passion. And if one of the two is missing, Byron, it's not going to really work. So uh, that's what I call the success intersection, where your greatest talent intersects with your greatest passion. That's your sweet spot in life, and that's where you want to stay. That's where you want to live. That's where you want to work. So many, even listening to our program right now, Pat, are in maybe a rut, frustrated where they are. Maybe they haven't found that connection, you know, to be able to find that sweet spot so that they can thrive, to really to do what they're passionate about. Byron, the best advice I can give in responding to parents and grandparents and coaches and teachers that we really have an obligation to uh, be recognizing and spotting talent in young people and talking to them about it. Teddy, I love the way you swing that bat. You may only be four years old, but I'll tell you what, I, I can see a baseball future maybe for you. Yeah. Or Mary, I love the way you write. I mean, your word choice and your creativity, it's wonderful. And I 
I can see you as a writer someday. We need to talk verbally. We need to express what we see. So let's call those people uh, around us mentors. We need them. Sages, life coaches who uh, care about us and will speak truth about what they see and what they see as our future and our potential. Because young people, by and large, Byron, they don't know whether they're doing well or not. They don't know whether they have the ability, you know, later on in life. All they can see is what they know currently. But when a wise veteran comes along and says, listen, you got all that it takes to do this, that, or the other, and I see great potential here. Uh, And then when a kid begins to have success, uh, then passion kicks in. If they're getting good at something, they're learning as a youngster to really perform well in golf, let's say. Uh, They want to play more, and they want to get better, and they're, they're excited about it. I think that's kind of how the combination works. I think, Pat, so many, and I'm just using this as an example, I remember going when I was a kid with my cousin to watch him play, and after the game, my uncle would drive us back home, you know, and we spent the whole time of my uncle critiquing my cousin, but not being in a way that was positive, telling him everything he did wrong, even if they won the game. He said, you could have done this better. You know, you didn't swing right this way. You know, you didn't play the ball in the field this way. And so, especially as a parent, because it begins with the parents, even when your kid is trying their best, this is just kid baseball, but the lessons of life start at that age. Sure does. And we need to really remember as parents or grandparents that Our children need a positive force around them. Walt Disney uh, called those kind of people life enhancers, and he encouraged people to have an army of life enhancers around you. And he said, above all, avoid the well poisoners. These are people around who are constantly negative, and they're pulling you down, and you can't succeed with that force around you. So uh, the bottom line is, Byron... uh, We're looking and spotting talent. We're encouraging it. We're encouraging our kids to go for it. Go for it in life. Don't hold back. Follow your dreams and stay excited the rest of your life. And and, and youngsters have a tendency, Byron, to be cool, super cool. I try and tell them, uh, let your passion flow. Light your hair on fire and, and light everybody else's hair on fire. I think the most contagious of all human qualities is passion. Excitement, enthusiasm, energy. I think, I think that just will turn a team or a classroom or any organization you know, on its ear if we have enough passion going on. Well, Pat, when you look at some of the role models that you had, of course, you mentioned one of the most positive role models was your dad taking you to those ball games. When it came to understanding about God, understanding about a relationship with Jesus Christ, what were some of the role models? Was it your parents? Was it somebody in college? Or was it somebody earlier or later in life that set that example for you? Well, I went to a—my mother, uh, you know, took us to church every Sunday morning at Westminster Presbyterian Church in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. And then I went to Wake Forest, which was a Baptist school at the time. So I was churched. But this whole issue of a personal relationship with a living Savior, you know, that never had penetrated. Until I was into my life work, I was the general manager of the Phillies Farm Club in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And at the age of 27, the claims of Christ were presented to me in a number of ways. And... um, I began to listen. 
at that point, I began to pay attention. And then one night, a young lady in a singing group, I went to this concert. It turned out to be a, a, a Christian concert. I didn't know that. These young people were singing and talking openly about this personal relationship they had with a living Savior. It didn't register really until afterwards I went up and one of the young ladies in the singing group uh, handed me a little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws that I had never heard of. I always thought Christianity was something that was absolutely complicated that only a few elite minds could begin to decipher. But as I really read that little booklet that explained how to become a Christian, my reaction was, that's all there is? I mean, it's that simple? I mean, I just have to accept that God loves me and has a plan for me and that I'm cut off from that because of this sin issue in my life. But yet Jesus came to this earth to deal with my sin, gave up his life for it, and that if I'll receive him, accept him, invite him into my life, uh, I'll become a Christian. I thought about it, and I pondered it, and I said, you know, that sounds like something I could do. So let's see what happens. I'm going to follow up on this, and I'm going to invite Christ into my life. Now, little did I realize, Byron, that it would be absolutely life-changing and be the most radical thing that I ever did in my life. It didn't occur to me on that front, but I did it at age 27. And sure enough, it was an overwhelming experience. I mean, I was absolutely wiped out by the whole thing. I became a new creation at age 27, and that was, uh, well, that was 50 years ago. Here we go. I mean, it, it worked. I mean, it worked, and it still works. That's how I became a believer in Christ. Pat, thanks so much for sharing that, because a lot of folks miss it. They miss that important step in life to know Christ. To really, you talked about setting that passion on fire. There's nothing greater, I don't feel, that can set that passion on fire when we are in line with what God wants to do in our life on this earth. Well, I think there's great truth in that, Byron. Uh, I discovered back in that day that when Christ does come in your life, when you invite him in, there's a, there's a complete pardon of all your sin, and that, that sure frees you up. I also discovered that there's this supernatural peace that passeth all understanding. That, that becomes a part of your life right away, and I sure felt that. Then I also came to realize very quickly that there is a purpose to each life, and there is a plan. And that was important to me. You know, what I, what I was doing then in professional baseball, uh, I was wrestling with that. Does this really matter? Uh, is this really something that's worthwhile? And then I became a Christian, and it became super worthwhile because of the tremendous impact in the world of sports. And what it's, we live in a sports-crazy nation. And I yes. said, I can buy this. This is great that there's a purpose for my life to be in this sports business. God's supernatural love. I've, I felt that right away, Byron. Love everybody. Do it out loud. Yeah. I, I came to grips with that. So uh, the Christian life offers so many benefits, uh, an abundant life on this earth. Boy, that sounds good to me, overflowing, and along with it, an eternal life in the next life. Now, that's, um, that probably is the best deal I could offer to anybody, an abundant life and an eternal life all wrapped together. 
So uh, I, I highly recommend the Christian life. Well, you know, when you referred to growing up as a Presbyterian, I was just thinking about the shorter catechism says man's chief end is to what? To know God and to enjoy Him forever. There's nothing greater than that. As we talk about passion, and you are in, a, as you mentioned, the sports world that is just full of people with passion that are playing on a whole level of athletic excellence. Some of the best athletes in the world that you see. Those careers, as you mentioned earlier with Penny Hardaway, you know, because of injury or sometimes those dreams that someone has gets cut short. When you talk in your book about the success of intersection and you see that people who are passionate and are living those dreams, but maybe they get cut short, maybe some illness that happens or something that they're not expecting that kind of diverts that. What do you speak into that? Well, Byron, I always think that God has an, an alternate plan for our lives. You know, if, if, if an injury wipes you out uh, from a sports career, for example, or this, that, or the other happens— uh, we've always got to be alert uh, to God's direction. Uh, but what I also would say here is don't waste your sufferings. Don't waste the setbacks and the defeats in your life. Uh, don't waste the cancer diagnosis or the divorce or the job firing or the rebellious child. Don't waste that. And it's not pleasant. And it's not what we want. However, uh, God uh, teaches us. Boy, we're good learners in the middle of the crisis. Oh, we have a teachable spirit uh, when the world is caving in around us. Uh, We're clinging to the Lord tightly. uh, Whereas in great success time, we get very self-sufficient. You know, I handle this all by myself. I don't need any help from anybody, including you, God. Uh, But yet... In the moment of crisis, oh, we hang on to him and we cry out. So what I'm saying is don't waste those tough times. Learn from them. Benefit from them. Because the tough times are not going to last forever. Uh, They're going to end. And on the other side of the tough times, uh, we come out with a much sweeter spirit, much more tender heart. Uh, We're in a much better position to offer help and advice and counsel to others who may be in a cancer battle or a divorce struggle or this, that, or the other, because we've walked through it. We we now have a sense of it, and we can be a much, much better counselor or advisor or comforter. So don't waste your tough times. You know, and part of that, too, Pat, I think, is a lot of us have natural talents to be able to do what we are passionate about, you know. Sometimes you have to work hard to nurture that talent and to discipline that talent so that you're able to accomplish the passion. And I think the area, especially of discipline in our life, is so important. And we're living in a day today, everything is so instant, you know. And when it comes to discipline, that can be a journey. Well, let me go back to one thing you just mentioned, and that is about the amount of work it takes to be a champion. Let's um, talk about the talent that we have, but then let's look at the amount of work that these great champions put in. We have no idea how much work Serena Williams has put into her tennis game or how much Arnold Palmer poured into his golf game, the amount of work. Or Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, was the hardest worker in the league. 
Kobe Bryant would be a good example. You could talk about him. How about those violinists at the very highest level or concert pianists who deep in their careers are still practicing five or six hours a day just to, to maintain or keep advancing their talent? We've got to work at it. I don't care what the talent is that we have. Uh, we've got to work hard to keep it improving, to stay on top, to head off the competition in many cases. Uh, we've got to be in a position where nobody outworks us. And when that happens, Byron, the passion kicks in. When we're getting good at something, when we're seeing good success, oh, boy, we get excited. We should. Yeah. Uh, we should have some extra energy, extra zeal, extra zest for what we're doing if we're succeeding. So there's a, it's a, there's a little combo platter here, spotting our talent, recognizing it, and then pouring everything we can to advance and increase the talent, and then having that passion intersect with it. Because if we're not excited, Byron, we can have all this talent and so forth, but if we're not excited about it and passionate about what we're doing, uh, that's not going to work. Long run, that's not going to work. You make a great point. And whether you're on a NBA basketball court or you're at home trying to take care as a mom, small children under two years' age, there's that passion that no matter what you're doing in life, if you're managing a fast food restaurant, there's a heart there. Do it for a greater cause, a greater purpose, to serve other people to really fulfill God's plan for your life through whatever function that might be. It might not be a sports figure. God puts us down on this earth, Byron. He, uh, he knows all about us. He knows how we're hardwired. He knows uh, our future and what's going to happen. Uh, he also puts that little final touch of talent in us, and we all have some skill, some talent. Yeah. And our job, is, with help from others, is to figure out what is that talent? What is it that I'm good at? Where are my skills here? And then uh, figure out what excites me, uh, what uh, gets me fired up. Quick example, I went to Indiana University for grad school, and one of the deals there was uh, I was in the physical education department, and I got a teaching assistantship, which meant I had to teach a 7 a.m., freshman bowling class and I was debating then do I want to be a ball player uh, do I want to be a, um, a teacher do I want to be a broadcaster do I want to be a writer there were four areas that I was thinking about well I learned very early on Byron 7 a.m. bowling class cured me from ever wanting to be a teacher now I have great respect for them and I wasn't passionate about it. And, and they turned me, there were reports came in to the department from some of the students that this guy Williams just doesn't even care about our class. That was a struggle for me. And I came away from that saying, I can eliminate that from my future issue. I thought I was pretty good at it, frankly. But boy, it was a struggle and I didn't have any zeal or passion for it at all. And so I scratched it off and I said, now... Uh, let's see, I want, do I want to be an executive? I love that in baseball. Do I want to be a broadcaster? Do I want to be a writer? And then I made a decision of a year or two later, I think I want to be a baseball executive. And that's the path I followed and have been following now for 50-some years. But uh, those little freshmen at Indiana 
cured me of one area. In other words, we got to find out what we're good at. But above all, if we don't have passion for it or enthusiasm, we're not going to be very good. And, and we're going to get turned in, right. as I did, by those students who yeah. said, Williams is, is just not into this and it's showing. What was the most difficult thing for you to write in this book? Oh, probably um, some areas where perhaps I fell by the wayside. Uh, Writing, perhaps, that I realized that my playing days as a ball player were over at age 23. Because at age 7, I I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a major league ball player. I wanted to be a catcher in the big leagues. And at 23, it ended. There was a period of mourning, I think. Fortunately, the Phillies immediately got me started on a front office career, so I didn't have a lot of time to mourn. So some of our dreams and some of our areas do get cut off because of not enough talent. And then we move to plan B and kick in another area where we have have ability, have talent, above all, Byron, that we are excited about, where we have passion. Plan B can be a blessing from God, too. Oh, yeah. He he knows all about (laughs) us, Byron. There There are no surprises to him. He knows exactly what's going on. Would you say, Pat, it's never too late for someone, no matter where they are? Maybe they've been working a a career at XYZ Company for 30, 40 years, just trying to make a paycheck, but never really feeling passionate about what they do. It's never too late for them to find that spot in life? Well, I need to talk to you about that, Byron, uh, because I get calls periodically here would be the gist of the call. And I don't screen my phone calls, so I take every call. So here, here, here would be the gist of it. I am calling you, Pat, from Des Moines, Iowa, and I want to get into basketball. I've always loved basketball, and I want to work for the magic. Well, sir, tell me, tell me a little about yourself. How old are you? Well, I'm 45. And what is it you do? Well, I'm a lawyer. Children? Yeah, I've got three, three children. Uh, can I ask you a very personal question, sir? As a lawyer, could you just tell me what your uh, yearly income level is? He said, well, it's, uh, it's north of 200000 I said, well, would you give that up and, and work in our group sales department starting at 25000 Is that something that would be of interest to you? He said, oh, I could never do that. No, I, I said, well, that's about how it would be. So I said, let me give you a piece of advice. You love basketball. Continue your, your lawyer. Continue what you're doing. But how about coaching a youth basketball group at the YMCA on the weekend? And in the summer, how about putting together an AAU team, a travel team? And how about coaching them in the summertime? And that way, you continue your career, you continue your income, but every weekend you're excited to get into the basketball business and developing young kids and putting teams together and, and you're, you're living out your passion of basketball. I said, I think that's a little more practical. So I think that's the way to do it. Or, or the guy, the lawyer, may have a musical bent, but he's never going to get to Broadway. But I said, how about putting together your little musical, your little combo, and you can play at dances and you can play at outlets and, you know, and spend the weekends traveling around with your little combo, you know, playing. I said, that, that would be rewarding. That, there's your musical kick. So I, I, I think if we have those passions, and we're not great at it, you know, but, but uh, do it, you know, on the side. So I think, I think I'd approve of that. Be a lawyer, be a doctor. And, and play your little musical group on the weekends or coach your 
Little League baseball team on the weekends, and I, I think you'll be just fine. <laughs> I think that is a great way to wrap up this segment of our program here on Bot Radio Network with Pat Williams. If you're truly passionate, as you just said, Pat, about whatever, no matter what, without pay or whatever it takes for you to do that, you're going to find a way to do that. Byron, great to see you, and I'm so glad we could visit. The well, book is, is out now. It's it in bookstores and up on Amazon, and uh, it's success, the success intersection. Ravel is the publisher, and I hope people enjoy it. I hope they get some value out of it. Pat Williams, thanks for sharing with Bot Radio. Good to see you, Byron. Thanks. Friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint on Bot Radio Network from the 2017 National Religious Broadcasters Convention. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.